The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to talk about uh, some forbidden door smashing and other fun stuff from this week's Dynamite. Stock up, stock down. All right, Joel. Probably, what, two hours before Dynamite, you told me, like, I don't want to talk about whoever these debuts could be anymore because I don't want to overhype it. I don't want to get, you know, disappointed if it isn't what you want. So, Joel, how are you feeling with not one debut, two debuts? I guess yeah, three I, if we count AQA. So three debuts. <laughs> let's, let's start with the big two. Yeah, uh, I was thrilled thrilled when you know limitless popped up on the screen and it's like oh my god it's keith lee it he's here it's amazing i didn't think it was going to be keith lee because i thought he was still on his honeymoon he just got <laughs> married and you got worked dude you got worked brother. yeah I, I love it though i'm here to get worked i am about yep. that life um but I, w- I was so excited and i thought his match with isaiah cassidy was perfect like so so good thoroughly enjoyed all the the different ways that he was featured and highlighted his swagger and style was on mm-hmm. full display in this match as he's just kind of shrugging things off and mugging to the camera and taking his sweet ass time to do everything mm-hmm. and yeah just so thrilled uh one of the most unique performers in all of professional wrestling and i'm very very excited to see what keith lee does in AEW. it's the bear cat man the bear cat's here <laughs> or, or the man bear pig or whatever i, I don't even get that joke thankfully oh. so <laughs> well that's that he was I, the bear I, cat I was, when he went to the main roster <laughs> yeah I, I was assuming it was some some bad booking from the other wrestling company uh-huh. but uh where adam yeah, cole I've... is going to be his manager so hopefully we don't have that <laughs> happen in this company um but yeah joel I, it, I thought it... adam cole would spend the rest of his life hiding from keith lee <laughs> after getting blasted into the third row that is the best gif 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 right like peanut butter i or say gif because it's short for GIF. graphics all right and you don't say graphics. <laughs> I mean, if you're a trendsetter, you might. But um, that that gif of Keith, Keith Lee just absolutely destroying Adam Cole is, God, it it is special. Like I'm watching it right now, and it just makes me laugh. Cause he there's that, and then there's the like Keith Lee <laughs> popping up behind people spot that he does. I mean, yep. he's he's so magnetic, and I'm I'm really really excited for we, we, everything he's gonna do. We kind of got something like that because the official AEW Twitter page tweeted um, him yeeting Isaiah Cassidy across the ring. Um, that was a wild spot. Um, but yeah, everything about this was was great. He's such a presence. And the, all the fans knew what to do. Like they knew the the best. You didn't have to teach them anything. They were all it was, it was like being at an indie show. The guy comes in. Everyone knows his chance. Know how to root for him. It was, it was perfect. And the crowd was hot for for Keith Lee. Like it, it was really a, a great debut. The match itself was really good. I was kind of surprised the amount of offense that uh, Private Party as a whole got. 
but it made up it, it made up for at in the post match where he caught them out of the sky right after mm-hmm. each other and then power bombs Mark Quinn onto Isaiah Cassidy. Like it was it's impressive. The strength is great. And well, obviously we didn't really see a lot of like the agility that he has too, but he's a he's a big guy that can move. Um like I kept expecting him to answer one of Cassidy's drop kicks with a drop kick of his own because we know he can do that. And I think he just didn't want to pull everything out all at once in this debut. I think this debut was more about establishing his character and less Mm -hmm. about, you know, giving us the greatest hits of what he can do in the ring. There's plenty of time for that. But let's take this moment to say this is who Keith Lee is going to be for the foreseeable future in AEW. And that's exciting. Imagine having this guy in your developmental system and being like, we need to change things. Like, like, yeah, I just don't get it. I don't understand how you look at Keith Lee and hear the way the crowd responds to him and the, you know, virality of the way that he performs in the ring. And you think, "Mm, I'm not sure this is going to work. Like, how, how is that the, Anyway, doesn't yeah. matter. He's yeah. in AEW now. He's in AEW, and he's going to be in the Face of the Revolution ladder match, which is another just a great, great way to show off some of the stuff he can do, especially as we see this match begin to fill up. I'm sure it's going to just be a loaded, loaded match talent-wise. So, um, yeah, Keith Lee is in the house. The Mikey Ruckus with another you know, hit on his hands with the themes. Just keep them coming. And uh, Joel, we this wasn't the only big debut tonight. We actually got back to back debuts in segments. Yeah, here. we got we got Jay White's jacket debuted. <laughs> the, the fucking switchblade is here. And I, I thought uh, at first he wasn't going to turn around and look at the camera at all, and it was just going to be <laughs> you know a, a, a look at the, his jacket and seeing him from behind. But yeah, really excited. And and, and what he did, he said nice earrings to one of the yeah. Jacksons. Yeah. <laughs> what what I liked about this and. It, it, they kind of addressed it later on in the show too, with Matt saying to Adam Cole, like, yo, did you think this through? Like Jay White and Kenny Omega don't, don't get along. It just kind of adds to the story of Adam Cole, slowly bringing his guys in, having his influence over the elite. And Joel, we saw switchblade in got what Madison square garden, right? He was against uh, yep. Okada mm-hmm. and he really sold me that night. Cause I really enjoyed that match. It was a long card, a lot of really, amazing matches but i felt he held his own in that spot and he's been on impact recently too right in the last few months yes. mm-hmm. so yeah it's it seems like a natural fit he's he's really good um i think he's gonna work and i like that you know i know you had a moratorium on white boys but at least at least we got keith lee and someone cool like switchblade so I, i'm i'm really happy uh with these um with the debuts tonight i i I felt it lived up to the hype. I thought there was something else coming because, like, there was supposed to be an announcement. I guess these guys being here were the announcement. Um, but yeah, I am. I'm not disappointed by by both of these guys showing up in AEW. Yeah, not at all. Uh, and you know, Jay White is someone that I first encountered watching Ring of Honor when he was there on Excursion. So before he was switchblade Jay White, when he was mm-hmm. just there as a white meat baby face wearing plain trunks. 
And it. you could just tell there was an energy that he brought every time he came to the ring and it translated into his matches and the crowd response to him. And I, I thought he got elevated a little bit too quickly in New Japan, but mm-hmm. he's really grown into the prestige that has been handed to him. And I think that's a really difficult and really impressive thing that he's accomplished. So uh, excited to see more of him. He looks incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, he he used to be a little bit soft around the middle. And yeah. holy shit, he is shredded now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has a very good, like a very... I don't know, trying to describe like he looks like a wrestler. Like he looks like a wrestler. Um is he's is he currently the leader of the Bullet Club? Because I know uh yeah, yeah, he's yeah. still he's still Bullet Club in, in New Japan. So and we had some, you know, definite Bullet Club talk, so they're not gonna shy away from that, which is good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm Tony Khan just tweeted this a few a few minutes ago. I want to read it to you, jo- uh Josh. God damn it. This is like the third time I've called you Josh. Joel. Got too many J's in my life. Um Tony Khan. I didn't secure Jay White until Sunday. I realized after the fact that Friday night, I butchered my own definition of forbidden door and hyping tonight. I heard the fans feedback and wanted to ensure that tonight was a special dynamite for all. Thank you, everyone who watched. Because the whole discourse on like wrestling Reddit and Twitter was, well, he said the forbidden door. Is it going to be freaking like Mustafa Ali or like, I think, (laughs) I think one maybe knock on TK is that he's a little bit too plugged in to what dorks on the internet are saying. Cause like (laughs) he's the kind of wrestling fan, the kind of wrestling fan that's going to quibble over something as stupid and made up as the forbidden door Mm -hmm. and whether Keith Lee counts or not. It's just fucking stupid. Like <laughs> Joel holding no no punches back on, on the show. I'm sorry, it. but this is like the kind of gatekeeping stupid minutia that turns people off of things, right? Whether it's in video games or it's in sports or it's in wrestling or anything where there's a high concentration of male fans, you get this kind of stupid nitpicky behavior that's like, Somehow I need to get credit for myself. So I'm going to point out this thing that you said that was like pedantically wrong. And, you know, we're going to we're going to focus in on that and and get really into the weeds. And uh, yeah, fuck it. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. I really thought just using the phrase the forbidden door would die when WWE used it in the Royal Rumble a few weeks ago. Like it's like when your dad starts using young yeah, it's people not cool phrases. Now. It's mm-hmm. not cool anymore. Like the forbidden door. Fuck that. We're moving on. We don't want that shit no more. So, but yeah. All right, Joel. Well, why don't we move on to uh, what was a wild main event here with Adam Cole uh, retaining over Lance Archer. Thank you. I just completely blanked on the name. Lance Archer. Um, Spot, spot heavy match. We know these, these Texas death matches can be like that. Yeah. The amount of blood that Hangman Page was spouting out of his face. It was Ric Flair levels, man. It was wonderful. Um, I guess, like, remember before AEW started, it was, like, very rare that we saw blood anywhere anymore, like, on TV. And, like, now Mm -hmm. it's just like, oh, it's a main event with weapons. There will be blood. Like, I'm not shocked by it anymore. I remember the first couple episodes that we did for the podcast. We were talking, like, wow, blood. They did blood. Wow. Like, it's just desensitized Mm -hmm. to it now. So um, there was a bunch of crazy spots in this match, Joel. Well, um, I'm assuming your favorite was the finish. 
Uh, yeah, that finish <laughs> was spectacular. We even got ref involvement. I mean, yeah. I I did not see it coming. And, and no. that's so rare with a spot that required so much setup and so many different elements because yep. you can't really do that spot convincingly if the top rope is there. You can't really do that spot convincingly if the tables aren't already set up on the outside. You can't really do that spot convincingly if you don't have the ref bending over in exactly the right spot. Mm-hmm. Like all of those things had to be there. That's a lot of artifice for one yep. spot. And the fact that I didn't see it coming until mm-hmm. Hangman was literally executing the move is just so impressive to me. And yep. they continue to find new ways to give us finishes that feel special. Like, mm-hmm. I, I saw that and I was like, that's got to be the finish. That absolutely has to be the finish. Yep. That was so awesome. And, you know, this whole match was a lot of fun. We saw a lot of crazy shit in it. Uh, but that spot just, you know, that's the kind of thing that we're going to continue to talk about for a long time. That's mm-hmm. a potential spot of the year uh, oh, nominee. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's on the list already for me. So yeah, it was incredible. I really liked the choke slam onto the stairs. Like that were, they were sideways and hangman. I wasn't a choke sh- slam. Cho- that was a blackout. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Blackout onto it. Yeah. Um, just looked absolutely devastating. And, like there's selling and then there's oh god that probably actually hurt like hell that probably hurt like hell like i don't know how you don't just take the i can't entire remember seeing that. that metal panel give before no, on the stairs never. like <laughs> that just looked really really painful and um you know, as someone who is very invested in hangman page's future as a fan <laughs> like I don't love seeing stuff like that, but at the same time, it's like, wow, mad props. Like you are absolutely giving this title run everything you've got and, and Mm -hmm. trying to pull out all the stops. And I, I gotta be impressed by that. Yeah. His two title defenses so far have been bangers, man, but with the Danielson and now this one. Um, And yeah, the, 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 the stairs, it's the most impressive stair spot I've seen since John Cena just completely annihilated Bray Wyatt by, throwing the stairs like a fucking missile at his face. <laughs> <laughs> like you've seen that gif, right? It just looks like a fucking bazooka. Yeah. I so, yeah. <laughs> so I, um, yeah, I, I, this was really fun. I, I liked Jake, the snake getting involved. I was rooting for hanging on the whole way, but I wanted Jake to hit that DDT. I was all <laughs> for it. Like standing up, like, dude, you don't think it's the old man do it. To dust. Don't care. Don't care. <laughs> He's come back from death once. We can make another documentary. It's fine. Like, I'm all for it. <laughs> oh, my like, God. Why was, oh, was that over the line? <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> okay. Um, but, yeah, I wanted to see that spot. And honestly, I also like to hang man doing, this, doing the DDT to Archer right in front of him. And then him yeah. <laughs> and Jake just doing, like, a very casual flip the bird as he walks away. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was great. And um, to go back to the, the finish, I liked how they... Uh, commentary brought up the fact, oh, without the top rope, when Dan Lambert came to fuck with it, there's no buckshot lariat. Like they established like, ooh, this mm-hmm. is a sound strategy. And yeah, like you said, I I didn't think about how's he going to hit the lariat when they were setting up for that final spot because they just did it so effortlessly. So yeah. I, well, one of the things I thought about because they kept saying, you know, knockout or submission, knockout or submission, when they took away the buckshot lariat, I thought, 
oh, is Adam Page going to debut a submission finisher tonight? Mm-hmm. You know, is that going to be something new that we're going to see that he hasn't done before? Because, you know, you took away his traditional method of victory. Uh, and so that was where my head was at. I wasn't even thinking about clever and innovative ways to, yeah. to hit the buckshot lariat. And yeah, totally caught off guard by that. Oh, um, you know another spot that I liked? the um, When they were fighting in the crowd where he like, Jumped up onto the barrier, balanced himself, and then hit the the moonsault off of that. Yeah, like, that was pretty sweet. That bear didn't and, look super thick. <laughs> like, and he kicked him too and like maintained his balance. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, they're very good. They're very, very good. <laughs> Headline wrestler is good at wrestling. <laughs> Podcast over. <laughs> uh so there there was another thing that happened in this match that I have never seen before and yeah, no need to cue up the music, but I'm going to make this my random observation of the week. Oh, making a triumphant return. <laughs> making a triumphant return. And uh, that is, I, I don't know if you notice this, and I've never seen this before. The bottom panel of the metal garbage can came squirting yes. out when yes. Lance Archer <laughs> chokeslammed Adam Page onto it. Like the hubcap of a car. Yeah. Just, you know. They I talk about I collisions in wrestling being like car accidents. And this one looked like it because, you know, Adam Page comes smashing down through this garbage can and there's the bottom panel just kind of spinning off out of the mm-hmm. ring. I've yeah, never seen I, that before. I didn't know that they could just like, they were built that way. That I could just easily like pop out. Usually I just see them all bent to shit. Um, so I yeah, that, that's that the was fun. sheer <laughs> impact of, you know, page well, being practically driven through the ring yeah he was like that was a very impressive looking choke slam um yeah. so i i i i've ref- kind of talked about the other hardcore matches you know with all the blood but i just forgot because wwe was so desensitized in their hardcore matches how fun these can be and how crazy and like dangerous looking some of these spots can be because we probably went until we started going to indie shows joel like we didn't see this type of stuff uh, regularly. It, it was actually, it was the hangman page, Frankie Kazarian strap match that we talk about all the fucking time where it was kind of like, Oh shit. Like this is what's out there. And then I just, I've loved that AEW has kind of embraced that. We don't get it all the time. You know, it's not like a weekly thing, but it, we get it occasionally and, and often enough that they can feel fresh. Like when was the last one? It was the women's tag team yeah. uh, match on Do- rampage. Like it was like yeah. new year's, right? Yeah, so you know, five weeks ago, four weeks ago, like it's not all the time, but so they, but they still feel special. So that's all I have. To, that's the last I have to say. Anything else to say about this before we? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Adam Cole coming out at the end. Uh, seems like a very natural a uh, revolution main event. Adam Cole, Hangman Page. Yeah, um, I think so. And I didn't. Yeah, pay, uh, Cole's number one in the rankings. And I saw someone tweeting on Twitter. You can probably confirm this that they joined Bullet Club right around the same time, yes. back in the day. They so, were they were tight um, in in Bullet mm-hmm. Club and in, in Ring of Honor, and um, in a lot of instances and in a lot of the feuds, Hangman Page was kind of sent to do the dirty work mm-hmm. for Bullet Club. So he was kind of the heater uh, because he's you know bigger than the yeah. Bucks, bigger than Adam Cole, and uh, yeah. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting feud. And I think something they can build very quickly because of the fact that these two have history, they can kind of dredge mm-hmm. some of that up. I'm sure they can get permission to use some archival footage 
Oh, so, I'm sure from NJ to PW and probably Ring of Honor. Like I, I mean, I think it mostly would be Ring of Honor. Um, I'm not sure how much. Well, yeah, they, they were more on the American in, side of the Bullet Club, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So, but but still, I, I think there's a very natural story that can be told here. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, if this is what we get for Revolution, great main event. Absolutely mm-hmm. great main event. You've got one of the talents that you brought in most recently uh, against your homegrown champion, you know? And, and we use that term loosely. Obviously, we've talked about the ways in which Adam Page is is has history, but is also feels like a homegrown AEW star. So, yeah, I, I would say the story, I hope they kind of veer away from the Young Bucks and some Dark Order shenanigans again, because we just got that leading up to the title change with uh, Kenny Omega. Like, keep the Bucks occupied with something else. You can probably bring in, like, Red Dragon if you want as the the bully enforces here, but I just don't want to see kind of a repeat with with the Young Bucks. Because we had that very satisfying moment where they gave him, like, the... Yeah, the stare, the shaking head stare. <laughs> well, I think you could actually potentially see something where the Bucks are kind of forced to choose between Adam Page, who's legitimately their friend, and Adam Cole, who's kind of been getting on their nerves lately. And, uh, you know, that could be interesting, too. Or maybe that's a product of this feud. You know, if Red Dragon gets involved and the Bucks don't take kindly to that because they want Adam Page to have a fair shake, even though they're heels, they have layers. Like ogres, they have layers. And <laughs> onions and cakes and parfaits. Let's move on. I don't on. know parfaits. <laughs> okay, lightning round. Lightning round. It was really good of AEW to say, hey, we're going to have a women's match tonight, and it won't go longer than five minutes. <laughs> like, at least they're just being honest with us. <laughs> All kidding I aside, like this. I this like was this. effective. It was awesome. It kind of reminded me of when angle used to do those challenges back in the day and serena deep just killed it too like looking at the clock like i could lock this in and win this at any time just like a few more seconds tick off the clock i love this i know i want to say this first because i want to jump in front of you Mm -hmm. it was like she was timing it to get exactly one minute Uh, it actually kind of reminded me of the early days of the master lock challenge uh, with oh, yeah. uh, with Chris Masters, and that was really fun. And I think there's a lot of potential here to kind of ramp up to somebody debuting and coming out and actually like competing against Serena. You know, you mm-hmm. could have her do a squash every week for several weeks. You know, bring out a new rookie and have them get obliterated in you know a matter of a couple of minutes it doesn't take up too much of your tv time it is valuable because it continues to further this serena deep character and it could set up a debut for someone like oh i don't know athena palmer um take your pick of the available free agents in women's wrestling this is a great way to bring somebody in have an instant feud against one of the top women on the roster and you know just set things up for for moving forward um or you know there's plenty of women on the roster who would benefit from coming out and and challenging serena deeb after a few of these squashes so i I think there's a lot of potential here and i hope this is a recurring segment she did say rookie but you could probably just easily say well i'm the professor everyone's a rookie compared to me so um yeah i this was great she's she's really taken up on like a five levels in the last two months. Um, but Joel, what do you have for me? 
Uh, I really, really liked the interaction between CM Punk and Wardlow in the opening Mm -hmm. promo segment. And uh, I feel like I'm getting back on my hobby horse here with talking about how excited I am for Wardlow to get pissed off and turn on MJF. I thought it would have been really interesting if Wardlow had been the person that Punk had chosen Mm -hmm. to be his tag team partner. And that would have been a really interesting way to kind of twist things around because, you know, we saw Wardlow getting more and more pissed off and agitated and um, just waiting. They keep teasing this spot and they've got to do Mm -hmm. it eventually. Well, it's funny because last week I just with how the, the show ended, I was like, oh, it was all a ruse. Wardlow and MJF are fine. Pinnacle is fine. I guess not. <laughs> so, um, yeah that that was that was really fun, and it was a nice in the in the when he called out like I want a rematch, and he basically called out Wardlow instead, saying he's the only reason you beat me. That was just gold, and I loved I loved this whole MJF like Super Bowl celebration, basically like was being carried out the girls in dresses, um, the champagne, the cutouts, the freaking confetti, like, and, and he said he beat CM Punk twice, not once, twice. Like, Oh, this was, this was awesome. <laughs> I love this yeah. whole segment. Heel masterclass. And, yep. And I'm going to, I'm going to continue kind of related to this. I really liked the Moxley surprise. Um, CM Punk was tweeting Danhausen, you around? Yes. <laughs> he tweeted Samoa Joe. Hey, are you in the country? Um, they really were having fun kind of creating this, uh, you know, mystery on Twitter and seeing, okay. Um, the revival versus Dean Ambrose and CM Punk in 2022. If I told you that five years ago, you probably would say, Mike, get off the drugs. <laughs> like, there's, <laughs> there's no way that would happen. No way. Like, well, anything involving CM Punk. I mean, I was every every year when the Royal Rumble would come around and the punk rumors would come back up. I was always like, no, he's not coming back. Get the yeah. fuck over it. Like, yeah, I, I don't think there is a big enough Brinks truck that you could back up to CM Punk's house that would get him to go back to WWE. So, no, he's not going to be in the Royal Rumble. And and every year those rumors would come back up. And and so any scenario involving mm-hmm. CM Punk, I would have laughed at. Uh, so, yeah, it's wild, wild that we get to see these matches in the year of our Lord 2022. <laughs> oh, man, it's wild. But this and that was a real that was a really good match, by the way. We kind of just talked about the team and and the, the opening segment. I thought this was really fun. Like they have. All four of them have really great chemistry together. This match was really well put together with some of the like the big spots, the near falls, um, like Punk kicking out with the uh, getting hit with the bell was wild. And then also Tully Blanchard eating a go to sleep in 2022 is also wild. Yeah, Tully Punk Blanchard almost getting, getting dropped on his head. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you know, some people go up light. Some people go up like a ton of bricks. Apparently, Tilly Blanchard goes up like a ton of bricks, which you can't blame him for at this stage in his life. Oh, man. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have very many bumps left on his bump card. Uh, (laughs) No, no, that's about almost punched out. (laughs) So uh, a match that I really, really enjoyed uh, was Jade Cargill versus the debuting AQA, a uh, Booker T product 
trained by by Booker T. Sammy Guevara also trained by Booker T. So uh, it's nice that there seems to be a, a relationship there. And I think there have been a few other Booker T products who have gotten matches uh, on Dark and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I really enjoyed this. I think she's very good. And I thought she was a really good person to pair with Jade. There were a couple of miscues in the match. I think spots that they maybe did out of order or, you know, didn't quite get into the way they were supposed to and kind of had to work around it. But all in all, I thought this was a really good showcase for Jade. It was a longer match for her in terms of like some of the standard squashes that she's done. This is Mm -hmm. not a match that was in doubt. And I feel like for the most part, when her matches are not in doubt, they're over very quickly. This one was not that this was a showcase and we saw some really good stuff from her, including that kind of Jeff Cobb style power slam, which needs Mm -hmm. work. But if she can get good at that, that's such a cool move. And I think a great fit for her. So uh, I, I was excited by what I saw in this match. And I, I'm i 100% in on this run for Jade Cargill. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope we get a, uh, you know, AQA is all elites tweet at some point. Because definitely someone I think. Uh, She's got she, the skills. Yeah. Get some, get some run, see what she can do. Get some matches on dark and elevation, and get that profile up. So, um, oh, oh, I can't believe I, we're talking about this so late. Santana Ortiz are fucking fantastic on the mic. Like this whole storyline, I love it, but it also makes me angry because they could have been doing this shit the whole time, Joel, the whole time. Yeah, watching this segment, it's like, oh my God, it's too real. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I think the only thing that was better in this segment than Santana and Ortiz on the mic was Santana mugging for the camera. Like, (laughs) like anytime Jericho's talking, he's like, do you see this motherfucker? Like, are you hearing this motherfucker? (laughs) and i i just absolutely loved uh this promo and i think this is moving in the right direction um we've talked a lot about how like there are some contracts that are going to be expiring and probably won't be renewed Uh, i Mm -hmm. think jake hager is ripe to be one of those people because i don't know what value they're really getting out of hager at this point and frankly he's outclassed by the majority of the roster um, mm-hmm. he was great as kind of the comedic goofball within the inner circle, but now that that appears to be winding down and it should, I don't know what you do with a Jake Hager. So, you know, maybe this is his last hurrah and, uh, we can move on to brighter futures with other wrestlers. It's, it's funny cause Jake Hager said nothing in this fucking promo, like this whole segment, he also hasn't been involved with any of the drama. So like, it kind of was funny when Ortiz was like, how about me, me and Santana versus you and Hager? It was kind of like, what did I do? <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, he's the like, only one still standing next to Jericho. Yeah, you know? I guess like, it's just, it seems really weird. Um, and, and this is definitely like Jericho has been acting more heelish the last few weeks in this segment. Um, I didn't really like him saying basically all your success is because of me and all your failures are your fault. Like what an old white man thing to say. 
Like, well, but I think that's the perfect kind of uh, heel <laughs> perspective to take. Like, I mean, if he's if he's kind of playing this heel, but I still want to retain your services kind of role, that's the way to do it. And that's the angle to take. And, you know, the the whole gaslighting of the inner circle is how he's got to hold it together. So mm-hmm. I, I like it. I think it was really well done. I think this is a, a really strong performance from Jericho. And I think the way that he's kind of moved into this character is, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's Jericho doing what he does best, reinventing himself. And uh, I'm a, kind of excited to see what he does here. Um, and I'm hopeful that this kind of moves him even more out of a, you know, time roll. Yeah. And, you know, I think he has been getting better on commentary. He's still very screamy, but uh, he's not talking over the other commentators on Rampage quite as much. The balance on air is getting better. So, um, you know, if this is a way for him to continue to transition out of a full time in ring kind of uh, role and being more involved in you know, promos and backstage segments. Mm-hmm. I think he would be really good at doing backstage interviews. Um, yeah. You know, bring yeah, back like Clint Bobsky. I have no idea what that reference is. I'm sorry. Is that uh, you watched Southpaw G- regional wrestling? Didn't you? I uh, did not well enough to be able to quote. It. I think I watched it that one time where oh. I binged it all in Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jericho was Clint Bobsky in uh, Southpaw Regional Wrestling. So, oh god, it's eleven o'clock. All my lights just went off. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited for this. We, it's like they listen to our podcast, Joel, because we pretty much have been saying for the last, you know, two three months that every time anyone outside of Jericho and in the Inner Circle starts getting momentum, they get drawn back in for Jericho's bullshit. Um. I really kind of wish Sammy leaned into it as too, saying, Hey man, like I had my title. I only defended the title like three times in the fall after I won it. Like they could have emphasized that too, but um, yeah, I'm ready for the inner circle to be done. Seems like it's, it was a useful faction for a brand new company. And I don't know if it really has a purpose anymore. So let these guys go on their way. And I think it has more value in its destruction at this point um, in the story that they can tell in getting this angle over uh, than it does if they somehow get back together, because if they do somehow get back together, they will be the group that got back together over and over and over again Mm -hmm. without ever truly breaking up. And that's just really tiresome. I mean, Um, I can't wait for like 20 years down the line when like Sammy and Hager get back together and do like the old school DX stuff that like Shawn Michaels and Triple H did in their forties. Like it's going to be fire, dude. It's going to be fire. So something else that I liked from this show. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed the sting Darby Andrade backstage segment. Um, And the thing I really liked about it is that we have Darby and Andrade both calling their shot and saying, I want that TNT title. And I think it would be really interesting and cool to see a triple threat match. Uh, let's engineer a storyline that sets us up to have Sammy defend against both Andrade 
and uh, Darby Allen, because I think that could be a really excellent match. And I think it allows them to kind of spin off and continue their feud after Sammy retains, because I'm not ready to see him drop the belt. Uh, So I think it would give us a really, really good pay-per-view match and then allow their story to continue with both of them blaming each other for why Sammy was able to retain the title. And then Sammy can move on and do his thing. They can move on and do their thing. Great way to kind of give us a spotlight at this revolution. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of felt it was both of them saying they intend to win qualifiers and be in the ladder match. Um, come revolution time. Uh, just depends on if they, I think the triple threat idea could work, but I kind of want to see both of them in a ladder match and see what the <laughs> shit they can do with Keith Lee and the rest of whoever's in that match. Cause like, I feel like Cody would be in that match. Cause that kind of seems like Co- Cody's been, I think in the lat was in last year's too. Um, seems like a good spot for him on the card. If he's not involved in the story, um, give me an all-star ladder match for revolution. I'm, I'm selfish. I'm going to be there. I want to see something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, yeah. I had something from Rampage I wanted to mention, but I forgot what happened. Oh, oh, that Ricky Starks Jay Lethal match. I wanted to bring that up oh, because yeah. that was fucking awesome. Um, and maybe the coolest counter I've ever seen to the Lethal Injection. Um, what what a spectacle that match was! Like we kind of talked about how Jay Lethal's first match for the TNT title was kind of underwhelming. That we kind of expected more from him. Um, he brought it this time. Him and Ricky Starks just tore the house down. That was one of my favorite matches um, of 2021. So 2022 so far. (laughs) So, and I figured Joel, you're a big Ricky Starks guy. So I'm sure you are in agreement here about this match. I thought this was one of the best matches Ricky Starks has had Mm -hmm. since joining the company. Um, I go back to his debut against Cody, which was fantastic. Um, And then this match really stands out as being a great showcase for him. We get to see the full range of what he does in the ring. He looks fully healthy, which mm-hmm. I, I don't think we've seen for a while. You know, he had neck problems. Um, and I think this is full strength Ricky Starks. And this was a really fun match. Uh, if you're not in the habit of regularly watching Rampage, it's definitely one worth going back and seeing. And it was a really good episode mm-hmm. in general. Uh, multiple title defenses and a um, lot of fun. Yeah, this was this was incredible. Um, Joel, you got anything else for me before we? I don't wrap think this up? so. I mean, I, there there's a lot of long segments on this episode, which uh, mm-hmm. lent itself to uh, not having too many different things to talk about. All right, well, guys, thank you for joining us. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Other Wrestling Show. Um, I'm blanking. Twitter at the other wrestling show, Joel at the other Joel, me at Michael. This is the first time we've done the Wednesday night recording in a while. I feel like I just like, I have to remember like, Oh yeah, I'm usually kind of tired by the end of the day. I should have had a coffee. Like you usually do around like four o'clock. <laughs> so anyway, you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on TuneIn, Spotify, audacity, not audacity. I'm Fuck. Stitcher. Anywhere fine podcasts are downloaded. Thank you, Joel. You did it. (laughs) Anything to say before I get the fuck out of here and go to bed? Uh, Join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye!